Alright, and welcome back to Crossing the Rubicon. I'm your host, David Anaya, and I just quickly want to shout out everyone who's been coming back and listening for the past couple of weeks. It's been really humbling, uh, really motivating, and I just want to say thank you. A uh, big shout out to, uh, I got a couple of listeners in the U.S. Virgin Islands and Mexico and in Ireland. Like, <laughs> it's incredible um, every time I look into it, and I just want to say thank you. So yeah, with that being said, ladies, gentlemen, and all my non-binary folks out there, help me welcome on Che Van Air, an up-and-coming lawyer in the New York State area and a man with political aspirations. He's a man that values reformative action, thinks of the people, and leads with passion. I'm very proud to call this man my friend, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Thank you. So what's up, Che? How are you? What's good, man? It's good to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have you on here. How's your day been? Rainy. Rainy? Yeah. It was chill, though. I sometimes like this weather. Rainy just physically, like physically or metaphorically? Nah, um, just physically. Okay, Just cool. getting a lot of, got a lot of rain on me coming down here. I hear that. I hear that. It's been a little while since I've seen you, man. How's everything been, aside from just today? Uh, everything's been all right. You know, uh, just life under pandemic, you know, hope trying to make it make it through and get through everything yeah i hear that you you've passed the bar during the pandemic didn't you i actually took it i you get took my it? results uh in december so okay yeah. how's that work do you like how long do you have to to december is it always or is that just pandemic rules uh pandemic rules usually we take it in july and we have it back by uh october or mm-hmm. around uh, november mm-hmm. right before thanksgiving either or mm-hmm. um, depending on the jurisdiction but since everything got pushed back i didn't take it until october 5th Okay. So now we get it in December. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. But before we even get into, like, passing the bar, like, you know, people always argue as little kids and they were like, yo, you should be a lawyer or whatever. Is that, like, <laughs> is, that, is that kind of what led you to become, like, to study uh, to be a lawyer? So I feel like that's kind of like a backhanded compliment, <laughs> to be honest. Like, I've never like, heard you argue. I'm not saying you're a good yeah, arguer, but no, that's no, always no, the no, thing. No, 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 no. I feel like know? as a kid, at least, you know, that's what people, adults say to you when, like, oh, they think you're really talkative or you like, talk you too much. Up, right? or you won't shut up, right? You not shut up. Like, you're mad argumentative. Um, but I did hear that growing up, but that wasn't really the reason why I became a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I always, I was always like, you know, torn between what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I said there were always three jobs I wanted to do. I wanted to be a video game designer. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be an English teacher okay. and I wanted to be a lawyer. I could see you do all three. Yeah. And um, when I got to actual school, I realized that, God damn, I'm really bad at math and science. <laughs> so I kind of, kind of put the whole video game designer thing on the back burner Um and then I realized that I was really good at reading, I was really good at writing, and I was really good at history. Mm-hmm. So that kind of put me on, a, I was either going to be a history teacher, an English teacher, or a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And then um, as time went on, you know, I went to college, I found out that I, I started to get really into politics. I was a political science major at, at University of Albany. What got you into politics at that time? Yeah, so one of my friends from high school was really... Um, big into politics at the time mm-hmm. and uh he kind of would like talk to me about it and then also at the time uh in 2008 you know Barack Obama got elected mm-hmm. um and it was like my first real intro to politics um my whole family was talking about you know they're all people of color um I had a really lot of I have a lot of great aunts so I had old black women in my family who mm-hmm. 
at the time my great aunt was it was 90 okay and or like 92 and it was like a really big deal yeah you know um, of course yeah literally cried on election night oh man never imagined yeah that a black person ever be the president and i remember she was from the north oh man so i can only imagine like what black people from the south felt like you know so um that's kind of really what got me into it started paying more attention to you know our political arena and things of that nature did your did your school um i remember my school i don't know if your school did this my school, when, when Barack Obama was getting inaugurated, they got everyone into a classroom in front of a TV, and so we could watch that moment. Yep, Your so we actually that? went to the arena. Uh, for those who are familiar with Yonkers High School, it has an arena there. Like the they, auditorium? Yeah, the auditorium, yeah. exactly. And we mm-hmm. went there and we watched it. That's And it was fire. historical. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. something huge. At the time, I didn't really, like... I mean, of course I got it, but I don't know. I wasn't political at the time either, so I didn't even know it was Inauguration Day or whatever. Right, I was like a young kid. Yeah, of course. But but once I was in the classroom, I was watching. It felt so monumental. It felt like something. I was like, whoa, like, you know, like this is something crazy. So yeah, I could imagine that that might have sparked a lot of like political interest for a lot of people. And so was it just that, or was there anything after that that sort of? Yeah. So it was really honestly um, later on. So I after high school, I went to college and I did. I was like, oh well. I'll study political science because that kind of seems like the, it's not history. It's kind of like a mix between history and English, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not history. It's not English. It's more about government. But it mostly has elements of, of both. Mm-hmm. And I, that was what I was strong. You know, I did uh, IB history in um, high school. So I yeah. really enjoyed learning about our history, American history and the world history and all that. So IB is like AP or something like that? Yeah, it's yeah, like okay. it's the international okay. level of AP. So okay. it was like multiple schools across it. Uh, world actually do it oh wow interesting yeah. yeah yeah it was interesting so then when i went to college i kind of did things i was political science and it's still funny because all the time i was in that major i was a criminal justice minor and i was loving that way more and i was like i should have majored in criminal justice <laughs> but then um i graduated with that degree and then what really really got um me into it like actually starting to me personally become more involved was on in 2016 Mm-hmm. when Donald Trump got elected mm-hmm. and my whole world was like rocked. Whoa. Yeah. Cause I didn't really expect that to happen. Yeah. I never ever thought that would happen. And I had to learn about a lot of things being growing up in lower Westchester, New York city area, like growing up all around blue people. Right. Um, just growing up in that kind of bubble. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, going to a liberal college, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, upstate New York, we did have some like conservatives come on campus or like some, even the Westboro Baptist Church came on our campus once and was spewing like crazy rhetoric. And you see that and you're just like, oh, well, that's some weird shit. It's always wild when a church is spewing crazy rhetoric. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, but then you never, you're like, oh, well, they're in the minority, you know, so Mm -hmm. screw them. Mm -hmm. But then when you actually like realize like, wow, our country's way more torn than I ever, ever thought possible. I think that's that what was really, really got me involved. Yeah, that was really the the big indicator once he got once he got uh, elected. Mm-hmm. Cuz I don't think just like you said, I don't think anyone took it serious. I know I didn't. Right? And then the next day after he was, you know, formally elected president, it just felt like there was a huge cloud over the world in in a little way. Absolutely, right? especially in New York too. Yeah. It was somber. It felt weird. Mm-hmm. It felt weird. So I could imagine. And so what did you start doing that you like what were the steps that you took to sort of get you to sign up or to get you to law school um so i always wondered that when i did an internship in albany Mm -hmm. i worked for the politicians for the democrats and um, i worked the democratic conference the senate specifically Mm -hmm. and i really liked that job you know it was very 
cool to me. All I did really, all we really did was talk all day bullshit. And mm-hmm. then, um, but the best part about it though was when I was like, um, there was a lawyer in the office. He was at uh, his third year of law school at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name was Andrew, and he would like do all the legislative work, and I would do like you know obviously menial tasks because I was an intern. Right. But I would talk to him, and all the there was a chief of staff who was not a lawyer, and like all the people, other all, all people in the office were not lawyers, but they all were like. One thing she told me, the chief of staff told me she regretted was not becoming a lawyer because she felt like it would have opened up many doors for her politically that mm. would not have been opened otherwise. And she like was still fairly successful. And wow. from there, you know, I did things like the best parts where I got to take meetings with constituents. I got to like meet a lot of people who wanted my help, you know, mm-hmm. who wanted the funding for their cause, for their, you know, whatever they needed from the senator, uh, which was a senator from Brooklyn at the time. Yeah. And I really thought that, you know, I took what they said to heart, right. you know, that realizing that I wanted to do this type of work and I wanted to help people, but also like, I know that I had that criminal justice background. I know that I had that love for crime and I knew that I had that love for helping people. Right. So it kind of like naturally progressed where I just started studying for the LSAT, which is a law school entrance exam. Mm-hmm. And I made my way to law school. Wow. That's huge. Yeah. That's huge. I love that. And then were there like big expectations when you got to law school and were those met or were they like So like exceeded? I have a crazy story because I ended up like taking the, the law school entrance exam, the LSAT like in June. Mm-hmm. And most people already by then are already in this law June school. This June that just passed, right? Yeah. Or? Um, yeah, June. But this was in June of 2017. Okay, cool. Okay. So um, I had was like, I, it's funny. I walked out that test and I was like, God damn, I failed that shit. <laughs> and... Um, and that was it, you know, like, and, but then I got my results back and I was like, this isn't bad. Yeah. <laughs> I can work with this, you know? And I think that was just because of me being like who I am, like really self-deprecating sometimes. Right. Like always mm-hmm. thinking, you know, I, I know you're supposed to manifest positivity, which I always try and do. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you just like, you know, you just let that anxiety take over. Which yeah. I'm trying not to do. Yeah. Um. So then I ended up doing pretty fairly well, well enough to get into law school. Really quick. Do you have any pointers that like sort of help you through that anxiety because i would imagine like law school is a very anxiety ridden place right like um yeah just kind of like so there's like this thing called imposter syndrome right which a lot of people end up suffering through especially people who do like doctor degrees yeah you, know, lawyers, you want to explain that real quick for some yeah, people so who imposter don't. syndrome is the feeling that you get when you feel like everything is wrong and you're not where you're supposed to be you don't deserve what mm, you're given mm. and like you're basically an imposter like mm. that you shouldn't be doing what you're doing like you're not smart enough you're not intelligent enough you're not talented enough you're not strong enough and you just like basically don't believe you deserve what you deserve and that's usually when you've reached like like a I would say like a positive point in your life or, or right. a position where exactly. you feel like I shouldn't even be like someone. Yeah. yeah you I doubt it. yourself. Yeah. You're filled with a bunch of self doubt and mm-hmm. whatever you're doing, whether, you know, you're going for an advanced degree, whether you get a new job, whether you meet a new woman in your life or mm-hmm. a new man, you know, depending on what you like, you start to feel like, wow, like I don't deserve this and right. I'm not ready for this, even though you are, Yeah. you know, and like you are ready for it because you work yeah. hard to get what you got. And, and that's pretty much an imposter syndrome. Is. And did you struggle with that in law school? Hell or? yeah, I struggled with it. I mean, again, on top of it, you know, I'm a city boy, you know, been from New York my whole uh-huh. life. And I moved to Chicago. Yeah. On a whim. Like, I had about two weeks to decide. I got into school and they were like, yeah, well, like, you, like if you want to come, like, you need to let us know because, like, the semester starts, like, in a month. And, like, you need to, like, decide. And yeah. it was just like, so what am I going to do? Am I going to, like, pick up and go? Like, leave everything behind? At the time, I was fairly, you know, I was doing okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I had my own apartment. 
yeah. know, in Yonkers, you know, in a nice area, yeah. which you know well, 409. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've been to my That was a good, that was a good yeah, spot. It was, it was, it was <laughs> we had some good time. Yeah. We had some good times. Some great we had times some after great the soccer games, there, yeah. yeah. Some good parties. Um, So I had to give up everything. Yeah. And like I had to make that decision, like pull the trigger, like right away, like yeah. that, you know. Yeah, and it felt that fast, honestly, because I remember, I, for me personally, I remember we were at a soccer game one week, right, and then I don't know, like two weeks later, you're in Chicago, yeah. and you're like, oh, I'm gonna watch NYCFC when they come to Chicago, which I did, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> and so it was a major move, but I respect that. I really mm-hmm. do respect that. A lot of people who are waiting for somebody to say, yeah, you can do it, or waiting for maybe the perfect opportunity to go outside of their comfort zone but i really respect people who go no i'm gonna i'm gonna struggle for a little bit i know that success doesn't come easy i know that success comes with a lot of battles but in order to win the war you got to fight through those battles and so like i'm really let me just say i'm really proud of you for going and doing that yeah thank you yeah and how long were you out there for in chicago so i was there for three years three years um it was actually a little bit shorter because of covid we'll we'll get to that okay yeah but um i was there for about three years and um i when i moved i didn't know anybody i knew one person and that was all of chicago all of chicago that was actually the friend that got me into politics to begin with oh wow look at that full circle circle. yeah (laughs) because he actually went to depaul university out there okay ended up staying there you know he got a political job out there Mm -hmm. he met a a, you know really nice woman out there Mm -hmm. and um he basically held me down like you know he let me stay with him for like a couple weeks so every day what i would do is i would be grinding during the day to um law school which was like six eight hours a day wow and then i would uh on the weekends or if i had like a day off which was rare Mm -hmm. um i would go and i would grind and look for an apartment wow and I ended up finding an apartment like a month later and moving in like pretty much right away. And that's where I was for the rest of the time. I love that part of the story, though, you know, because a lot of people think people people associate a lawyer or a doctor with like a high paying job or whatever a form of status. But people don't understand that in order to get to this, this point, you have to grind really hard. And I, I always love that story of like, yo, I was sleeping on a homie's couch or whatever, like exactly somebody That's exactly was exactly what i was doing yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean somebody yeah. was holding it down while i was while i was working on myself working mm-hmm. to get to where i want to get to i i always love that part of the story and i think that's where like your title crossing the rubicon comes in too because it's like i always tell people who want to you know the other day i had a call you know my one of my uh, really good friends out there um that i met his name is yoshi and um he was like really life-changing for me as mm-hmm. a person and basically, he runs this page called The Law School Mentor. But anyway, he like um, put me in contact with this kid who was considering going to law school. And mm-hmm. I told him, I said, yo, to be honest, I'm not, gonna, I'm not here to BS you. I'm not here to lie to you. Like, you need to be able to give up everything. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, you need to be able to. And obviously, like, I'm not, like, I'm, it's a little bit of a hyperbole, but not that much. Because, like, you still have your family, you still have right. friends. But you lose friends. You know, you lose, you lose money. You lose your comfort zone. You yeah. lose, like, you have to be ready to... Like, it can kill your relationships. It can yeah. kill your your attitude. Like, you have to be able to give up everything. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's when people want to be successful in their life, when they want to cross that Rubicon. They need to be able to give up everything and more. Mm. You know, like, to the point where, like, you feel like, you know, law school was such an up and down battle for me. You know, one day I'll be on the pinnacle. I'll be like, yo, I'm the greatest guy in the world. I got <laughs> this. You know, like, I'm so smart. I love that. I, I, you know, like, I'm just, you know. And then one bad grade or one bad day will just like, oh, my God. Bring you right back here? down to earth. Right down to yeah. earth. Yeah. Like, you know, like, nah, it's like, nah, bro. Like, you know, you really got to keep working because mm-hmm. you're not there yet. It's humbling, too, right? Super yeah. Humbling. Yeah. So, um, 
it's a nonstop grind, no matter what it is, whether you want to become a lawyer, whether you want to become a teacher, whether you want to become a cop, a firefighter, whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. e- even if you want to be like the best, I don't know, roller skater, right. ra- the most random thing you can <laughs> right. think of, like, you got to put in the time, you got to put in the effort, and you also got to like, know that like, follow, it's your passion, like, yeah. you can't, it can't be a side job, too. yeah, it can't be like a little play around thing, like, yeah, you need to fully devote your time and energy to your success, I love that. Uh, and and I'll say that sometimes, if I'll be honest, here I am the host of this podcast. But sometimes I struggle with that myself. Sometimes I put a lot on my plate. Like here I am in grad school trying to be a teacher, but I'm writing stories on the side, and I'm like, I don't know which one I'm devoting more time to. I'm, I'm probably cheating myself on both, you know. Mm-hmm. So maybe I have to pick one. But phew, that's great advice. Look at you coming on the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> holding it down with some wisdom. I need to think about. That's funny. So you so getting back to to law school though you said that your tenure there was cut short because of COVID what happened there? Yeah, so we um so it's actually really sad a sad story because my last year like law school is three years mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know that you know um I went full time. So w- real quick, it's it's three years and then boom you could go right into taking the bar and and then be a practicing lawyer once you find a job. Right. Wow, that seems amazing. I didn't know it was only yeah. three years. Yeah, it's three years, but it's you know, but that's the full time track. But know, it's rigorous, like the it's word. Rigorous, yeah, yes. yeah. That's and some people take more time. Part time, you know, yeah. People who you know have have jobs. You mm-hmm. know, not everybody can go full time. I don't have any kids. Yeah. You know, it was just I was a single guy, so like I didn't really have much on my plate mm-hmm. other than like you know the obvious things most people have. So right. I was able to go full time. You were you were able, ready to let it all yeah, go. Right? I was ready to let it all go. Yeah, right? for the job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I just that. wanted to just. The way I also run my life is this. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen Hamilton before. Hamilton, the, the newest play, one. Yeah. The play. Uh, no. So I've I heard actually, some songs. So I but... actually saw Hamilton in Chicago, which was really, really cool because it was really rare back then because no <laughs> one could see it ever. Yeah. And my mom actually had a friend who was actually one of the stars in Hamilton. Oh, and he wow. Held it down. Like, he got it's who you know, not what you know, exactly, right? Exactly, <laughs> bro. Like, and that's, we're we're going to revisit that statement, who you it's know, so not what true. you know, because yeah. it's so true. Uh, in, in all aspects of life, not mm. just Hamilton, but there was like a <laughs> there's like a line where they're like, oh, like why do you always write like you're running out of time? And mm. I think of that because I try and live my life like that. Like I try and live like I'm running out of time because yeah. I try and get things done as fast as possible in terms of my achievements. Mm-hmm. I don't because I'm very guy. I'm a type of guy who's like, yo, if I don't get this done now, I'm never gonna do this. Right. You know, like I'm not. You know. um, I'm not somebody who likes to draw things out. I'm not yeah. somebody who likes to revisit things. Like if, if it's some, something like a big thing I want to do, I kind of want to get it out of the way mm-hmm. as fast as possible so I can move on to the next like achievement in my life. I like that. That's a good way to psych yourself into discipline. You know? Hell yeah. 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 Like I want to do this in four years. You know. So that that's what made like you go. I wanted to be a lawyer by 25 and mm. I'm 25 now. Let's get it. So, you know, <laughs> I didn't want to like be one of those, you know, I just didn't want to take forever to do what I wanted to do because I want to do so much with my life and I want to travel the world. I want to do a lot of things that I wouldn't be able to do if I was like still having this whole lawyer thing hanging over my head, you know? Yeah. And that's a super valid way to to put a, a limit on your goal, right? To say, I want to do this by 25 and to say, if I want to do this by 25, I got to start now. I think there are a lot of people who who don't start because maybe they feel like it's inachievable or they're too late or whatever. Like just set right. your goal and start it. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. So boom, five years, twenty five. You just took the bar. You passed it your first time. I find out in December. Okay. So we'll uh, 
We'll talk about that. We'll talk about in that. In December. I, I don't know why. We'll I just do feel a, like you've already passed we'll it. We'll do like. a, Thank you. Thank you. We'll do a follow-up, uh, and I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. I don't want, I'm a very superstitious man, though. So okay, so. I prefer not to. So we won't even talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> the, bar, the bar results are in process, but yeah. you were talking about um, a job, possibly? Yeah, so I actually started the Bronx District Attorney's Office uh, this upcoming week, and that's my first lawyer job ever. Ooh, big talk, big talk. I uh, like that. It's actually by Yankee Stadium. Let's get <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. how, look how it all comes back around. Yeah, Look at yeah, that. Yeah. You can go from your job straight to the NYCFC games. I can. If that, that even. That would be great. And some Yankee games, If that too. ever becomes a thing again. If it ever becomes a thing. I hope it does. Let's pray. And Let's pray. I'm sure it will um, eventually. So what do you see your goal? What do you see your path with this job? Uh, well, I have a three-year contract, and I'm gonna see how that goes, mm-hmm. and then I'll reassess after that. You know, I really agree. I really like the uh, the mantra. I like the ideology of mm-hmm. the Bronx DA's office. You know, it's the first Black woman district attorney mm-hmm. out there. Um, she is really, you know, she has um, she has a good mix between liberalism and conservatism. Uh, she, you know, cause generally, you know, a district attorney is a con- more conservative type of field. Right. Um, however, I like how progressive she is with her, um, with her abilities. You know, I did restorative justice back in Chicago, Yeah. which is basically like, um, more, um, instead of the more retribution system of criminal justice, it's more restorative. Mm-hmm. So we kind of try and like, we figure it's like something called peace circles okay. where you sit down and um, if the victim is with it, you'll bring the victim and you'll sit down and you'll discuss the harm. Okay. What happened, mm-hmm. why it happened, why you did what you did, how it harmed the victim, how it harmed the community, and how, what can we do moving forward? How can you become a better person moving forward so you don't commit crime anymore? And how does this process look? Like, where does this happen? This doesn't happen. This is pre-courthouse. This is to avoid courthouse, or what is... Uh, yeah, so, not. Nah, I mean, you always will have your arraignment, so you'll go to court, and mm-hmm. you'll do... Like, for example, like, it depends on the type of system it is. Like, when I worked, I worked in a... When I was working in Chicago with the district attorney out there, out there they're called the state's attorney, also happens to be a black woman. Okay. Um, they did, what we did was we had um, we had alternative to prosecution. Mm-hmm. So they'll go and they'll, like, let's say if it was um, it was a felony or whatever it was, you would have to report to uh, probation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's not the type of probation you think of. Like, you don't get drug tested there. It's not, it's okay. not, that's not the reason. You're there to just check, like, you have to have a job or you have to be in school. Mm-hmm. Or working towards a job or in school. Okay. And they check on you every two weeks and they say, how you doing? You know, see what's going on. If you need psychological counseling, emotional counseling, they'll provide that for you. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so then, and then whatever restitution you owe the victim, you pay it off. Okay. So if you stole somebody's car, you paying that six grand. Okay. Um, and then at the end of it, all charges are dropped. And, um, and then you'll probably do like a peace circle or whatever. Okay. And you'll basically, you know, talk about the harm. It's kind of like AA, actually. Yeah, it seems like way. it seems like yeah. a very restorative problem. Yeah. yeah, it's like that. And, yeah. um, and then at the end, you go to court, and then the judge claps for you. Everybody in the courtroom claps for you, congratulates you. Oh wow! Um, and that was like my favorite thing. Ever. Yeah, like, wow! That's you <laughs> yeah. see how I did my voice yeah. got like a little yeah. high. Yeah, yeah. yeah. graduation day was the best day. I used to look forward to going to work. Wow! Oh, there. How many graduations we got today? Oh, five. Oh, it's well, let's late. get it. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> like, I would like shake their hand, congratulate yeah. them, look them in the eye, and like they, it just you see the relief like on their mm-hmm. face, like they don't no longer have this felony or this misdemeanor on their record, like it's expunged, dropped, like it right. never happened. It seems and like a better process. Life, you know? Yeah, I would. I would rather go through this whole moment of of redemption in a way, 
right? And then, and rather than sitting in a cell for, you know, like hating myself or, or exactly. getting deeper into this dark thing that made me do what I did or whatever, you know, like, yeah, I like that. It's a more restorative process. So that's what I would like to really talk about in terms of reforming the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people say, I know there are people out there who are prison abolitionists and police abolitionists, and that's just not me. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think that's a very utopian view. Okay. It would be great to not have any cops. Mm-hmm. Uh, like people are, oh, defund the police. Well, when you say defund the police, like I don't mean defund the police. Like I don't believe in that. I do yeah. believe in moving funds and, and reducing the amount of military weaponry the police have, yeah. as well as increasing budgets in other places. So maybe p- cops don't have to come every time somebody with emotional uh, disturbed person or mentally disturbed person is uh, you know, causing some trouble unless they're really a threat to others. Yeah. So there needs to be like a l- more looked at, uh, a more nuanced perspective towards policing. But I don't believe that we should abolish them. I do believe... We need heavy reformation, especially mm-hmm. in the prison system and the police system. Mm-hmm. Um, prison, for example, in my world, if I was the president, I would heavily increase the funding for both education and for um, for the prison. Like when you go to prison, if you look at prisons, like there's something on Netflix, like prisons around the world. Yeah. You see like how the differences between the way we treat our prisoners and the way that other people treat theirs. Right. Like I would really have it way more rehabilitative. Like, you have way more, like, psychological sections, way more peace circles in there, mm-hmm. sports, mm-hmm. you know, jobs, yeah. job training, um, all these things that are not in our prisons. Avenues towards education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Avenues towards education. Yeah. Things that are going to make you are a person. Definitely. You've done a horrible thing. Mm-hmm. But not you're not always... There's some people who are just pure evil, mm-hmm. right? Who are serial killers, who are rapists, who are people who are just out to hurt people. Right. And those people need to be locked in a cell. Yeah. Although I do, so that's why I'm not a prison abolitionist because people who are prison abolitionists, in my opinion, are looking at the world with rose-colored glasses. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people don't know how really evil, evil that walks on this earth. Right? Yeah. So there's some people who need to be locked away, but there are also majority of people who commit crime, commit crime because of economic reasons, mm-hmm. commit crime because they didn't grow up without father or mother, right. commit crime because they had to trap on the streets to feed their family. Yeah. There are a lot of things about crime that real circumstantial, are real yeah. circumstantial, you know, yeah. and those people deserve second chance and those people deserve to get to the root of the problem. And yeah. our society in the United States and America is awful towards our prisoners. And mm-hmm. then it gets put on the police's soldiers, too, mm-hmm. because now the police have to treat you a certain way because that's the way the system is. That's where the laws are written. Mm. And it's like a vicious cycle. That's where we get to that word systematic, right? Exactly. Systematic, systematic racism, systematic... Uh, just confinement, all those things. Yeah. yeah. And and I think you touched on it there, and I want to get there. That's where I was going to get to. You got ahead of me because I want to talk about your political aspirations. Got you. Because I know that's where you are. I know that's where I see you. Um, but I, I, I do think I would like do my audience, and I think the movement of the service, if I didn't sort of speak on the defund the police thing a little bit, um, I happen to think that the phrase defund the police is something that a lot of people are attaching themselves to. and uh, But I don't think that is what, what a lot of people are trying to say. The people who are just getting on the bandwagon and they're, and they're just seeing that phrase, they're jumping on it. But I think the real uh, root supporters of this, of this phrase is, the real phrase should be reallocation of police funds. Right. Right? So it, is, it isn't like defund the police because I, I don't think we could work without the police. Right. If we're being or, you know, the police are necessary in certain moments, like you get robbed, you want the police around or whatever. 
Right. Some people don't feel safe around the peace, uh, police. I also understand that. And I don't that. blame them. For yeah, that I don't either. blame that either. I get it. But uh, I would just I just think it's important to like it's not defund the police. It's like reallocation of, of police funds, which is exactly what you were talking about. Yeah. Which is something I see you doing um, with your political endeavors. So do you want to speak on that? Because. All right. You've got this job on Monday. Right. So, boom, you were inspired um, by the 2008 election of Barack Obama. You get inspired again with the election of Donald Trump. That's that like other side of the coin inspiration. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And then here you are inspired with finally passing the, the, the three year process, doing this by 25. So where do you see yourself politically? Because you spoke about how that lady's said it would be better if she was a lawyer for her political aspirations. So where do you see yourself? So I like um, the fact that, you know, now that I understand how the law works, I can actually write it correctly. Mm, um, it's big. There are a lot of people who are not, and you know, it's not required to be a, um, you know, a lawyer to be a politician. Right. I think it just helps. Yeah. Uh, you know, because you can have a lawyer in your office like, you know, uh, like Senator Parker did, mm -hmm. and he would help him out. And that's cool. But it's it's different. It hits different when you actually know. You could sit down with a lawyer in your office and really shoot it. Yeah. And know like, oh, like, well, I want this law to be this way, and I want to include. It. I want to work with. It. And then you have other brilliant legal minds in the room too. Right. But they're like, oh no, well, look at it this way. You know, like when I was studying for tests in law school, I had a, a good clique of friends who I would just sit sometimes like. For a while, I would study by myself because I needed to really know, make sure I understood it, so I could bring something of substance to the study group. Mm -hmm. But when we go to the study group, like you'll be surprised how some people like look at the law this in different ways that you would never thought think of, and I feel like that kind of like is attributed to more so um, the way your mind works. Yeah. But in terms of my political aspirations, yeah, I definitely want to run for office at some point. Um, and I definitely think me having this lawyer background will not only open doors in terms of like me understanding how the law works, mm -hmm. but also me like making connections, networking, and being able to, you know, uh, talk to people. Like a lot of a big aspect of lawyering is acting as well. Right. So that's like comes into big. So I definitely want to run for some type of office, either in Yonkers or New York City. And I want to. I mean, one of my main goals is to run for senator one day mm. um, to replace the woman who I actually got me the internship. Wow. Um, so she's actually. I looked her up. She's actually seventy years old now, and I was like shocked because she looks great. <laughs> uh, Andrew Stewart Cousins is her name. She's a senator of Yonkers. Yeah. And um, she's really a big deal. She's, she's been known, a senator for a while now, and, right? Yeah. And yeah. she's actually one of the first black women to ever hold the really high position. She's like number one in Albany, next to like Cuomo. Oh, wow. Like, so she's like leads the Democratic conference now. And like she again, she's somebody who I personally like. Um, definitely an old school Democrat. Me and her <laughs> might not see eye to eye on things. But again, I'm a young, I'm 25 year old man. Uh, I think it's, the Democratic Party needs a heavy um, reform. Yeah. Uh, I think that a lot of people need the boot. I think past, to be honest, you shouldn't be in office past 70 in my Yeah, opinion. we need some young folks um, in there. Yeah. Like there's just no reason for it. Yeah. There's no reason for it. And it's not only it's not only Democrat, Republican, it's both of them. In general, They both have yeah. a lot of problems they need to uh, realize and a lot of like this whole fear that the Democratic Party has of, of progressivism. They're scared. They're like, yeah. we need to be inclusive of everybody. Republicans don't act like that. Yeah. They don't give a shit. Right. They're like, we're going to do what we're going to do and we're going to do what we want to do. And I think Democrats need to get some more backbone and to be more like stronger yeah. and more more progressive like we need to have universal health care mm -hmm. we need to have like heavy funding for education we need mm -hmm. to have like child care for everybody we need to have like more affordable rent we need to have like you know during pandemic these people were paying rent still i think that's crazy yeah 
Um, the number one function of the government is supposed to be to protect the people. Supposed to be. Nowadays, <laughs> I don't know about that. I think nowadays, I feel like their number one function is to exist. <laughs> um, but they're supposed to be to protect the people. So, like, this whole... A lot of people have rhetoric like, oh, like, you just want free stuff. Like, I'll see a lot of right-wing conservative people mm-hmm. tell me that. Oh, like, why do you want the government to take care of you? Well, listen, that's our money. Right. Those are our taxes. Right. Especially living in, in New York. You, have, you know how much money in federal and state taxes we pay? More money than Donald Trump paid. Right. He paid $750. Talk on okay? it. So all this nonsense about how we want the government to take care of you, that's what they're supposed to do. Yeah. All these taxes, what do you think, that's free? Right. That goes to our streets. That goes to our education. That goes to our that goes our health care. That's supposed to go to taking care of us. And we need to hold them more accountable in terms of taking care of us. Yeah. Like, And it's not like, oh, it's not a handout. It's not. That rhetoric needs to stop because yeah. it's our money. Right. We're the United States. Without us, without our taxes, without our, our funding, this country would not exist. Mm. So we need to be more stronger on our government and demand universal health care and things of that nature. Shit, I'm about to vote for you right now. <laughs> I love that. Like the passion that you just spoke about is the same passion that I that I would hope anybody who has a dream or an endeavor or a goal would attack their that goal or whatever with. Um so with that being said, I think there's no better way to like really wind down on this. Um that passion is just gonna I already see you in office soon. <laughs> Uh, but, I so I hope they like me. Uh, I'm sure they will. Is there anything you want to plug? You, maybe somewhere people can find you or something you want to speak on? As uh, we wind down? If you're interested, you can hit me up on Instagram, uh, revolutionary. Um, just revolutionary, except chainary. So C H E N A R Y at the end. Uh, anybody who ever wants to talk, you can hit me up to talk. We could shoot, we could talk about politics, you could talk about your life, talk about whatever you want. You know, I'm a very open guy. And yeah, that's about it. I just want to plug mainly, please vote. Yeah. Uh, definitely vote. You know, always follow your dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it might may seem bleak right now. Like, oh, voting doesn't matter. My vote doesn't count. But if everybody had that perspective, nothing would ever change. Bam. Um, so Love at that. least you might as well. All What do you do? Just wake up and go? Like, you might as well just do it. And if it doesn't change, then oh, well, at least you tried, right? Right. Um, but definitely, if you're feeling afraid that you can't do something, you have that imposter syndrome or you feel like, you know, I'm not good enough, you are good enough, you know, and I just want people to know that, that no matter what, you put your mind to it, you can do it, you're just going to take some hard work and some dedication for sure, and that's pretty much it. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs)